everyone and welcome to another episode of press coverage on the going for two live network my name is kyle senra and my guest for this episode is rhett manuel from fourth in frames good to see you rhett dude what's up how you doing tonight bud uh doing great always great here on the going for two live uh, youtube channel whether you're watching on youtube twitch facebook twitter uh it's again head over to the going for two youtube page and you can uh, interact with us uh have comments. I've got questions for Red, of course, but if, uh, if anyone has any questions for either of us, ask away, of course. But yes, uh, doing fantastic. Always great to do these live streams, Red. Yeah, man, I'm happy to be here. Like I told you, um, just super kind of shocked, uh, humbled, excited to be do- doing something like this because this is the first time I've actually been asked to do a guest spot since I've been doing this since January. So, you know, to see somebody who cares about my opinion enough. When you can find somebody who's much cooler, like Joe Pepe or someone who runs a 4-4 and has a pro boxing record and all this different stuff, like you can find cooler people than me, but you know, you're choosing me. So I'm here for it. Let's go. Well, you fit the bill, you fit the theme, uh, all you all season on press coverage. I've been talking to different uh, teachers who are doing fantasy football or football content creation. So uh, yeah, I was watching an episode of fourth and frames and, and you made a reference Something about your students, and I think I'd heard it on a couple episodes. So I was like, okay, yeah, Rhett's got to be a teacher. So I, I uh, luckily the uh, the Gator extraordinaire, uh, Gator J himself, I, uh, I betted that out through him and asked him. <laughs> and that's as simple as that. And, and uh, yeah, we got in touch that way. And, yeah, I'm glad you were able to make the show. Yeah, let's just hope Gator isn't lying to you about that because that'd be real awkward by this point, huh? Well, I hope to get it back Thursday on the Gambit. We'll, we'll see. Uh, that's always a Gambit <laughs> at this point of year. But, yeah. Um, I guess uh, watch the Dynasty Gambit on Thursday. Either way, uh, whether Gator's there or not. <laughs> perfect, 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 man. Cool. I guess uh, even, well, uh, before I get to the plug, I guess there's there's people already in the chat. So uh, Toronto Dave here. Uh, Gladys, one of my co-hosts on Monday nights. I know she uh, we alternate Mondays in the off-season. She has the two-point conversion on Monday night, so next Monday, I'd imagine. And then uh, her and I will be co-hosting together in season on Mondays along with uh, Dan the B-League. So Dave's here for the party. Uh, so he's pretty happy with that. And then Jamie, the host of the Fantasy Cheat Sheet. So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of our going for two family uh, chiming in. It's great. Yeah, Jamie ends up on fourth a lot of times. So I see you, Jamie. Good to have you here with us again tonight, bud. Yeah, Jamie's just super supportive of everyone in the fantasy community, always uh, always chiming in, always answering questions from people, too, even on shows he's not on or in the chat. So, yeah, Jamie's, Jamie's great for that. Apparently, Joe Pepe is amazing, according to Jamie. So it's No, Joe, Joe's a great dude. Universal truth there for sure. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for Joe Pepe, I wouldn't be here right now. Joe gave me the confidence to light that fire under his buttocks. Is what Jamie yeah. says. I'm going to say that not swearing version. And truthfully, I'm going to keep plugging my guy because he's one of these people that if you have an interaction with him and you walk away not liking Joe, I'm afraid you're probably the problem in that situation because that dude has just got a heart of gold. So, Pep, if you're listening to this, bud, I, I can't get enough about you. I'm gushing over you. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It's weird at this point. Ah, well, that's okay. Uh, it's the Joe Pepe show. It's not the Rep Manual show. That's that's fine. We'll, I'll change the title real quick. Uh, no, but, but yeah, but truthfully, it is all about Rhett, and we're going to get to know Rhett in a second. But uh, first, it's one thing I want the all of you viewers and listeners to know is uh, Underdog Fantasy offering a promo code match if you are a new user. So if you have not yet signed up for Underdog and want to do so, we encourage you either scan the QR card, 
QR code on screen. It, it flashed and it was all shiny. It messed my words up. But that's that's how impressive a QR code it is. But uh, uh, for anyone on the audio experience, the promo code GF2. If you enter Underdog either with either of those methods, they will double your initial deposit up to $100. So uh, if you uh, go in that max uh, with that QR code and put into $100, you'll have $200 in your account to either join best ball drafts or or uh, play different uh, games on, you know, uh, I guess, different sports. I mean, it's not just baseball right now. I mean, uh, heck, heck, the NFL preseason is, is this week, so I'm sure they'll have contests for that as well, whether it's picking higher, lower on game totals or player stats. Uh, Underdog has all sorts of great, fun, exciting games. And, of course, again, best ball drafts. We, we love fantasy football. Drafting is the best part, right? Yeah, it's true. Drafting is the best part. And, over, unfortunately, I cannot cash in on this QR code because – Underdog Sports, not available in Louisiana. So, sorry, Underdog, I can't give you my money. Um, we'll, we'll work through it. We'll, we'll talk to our legislators and senators and stuff like that. We'll make it happen for you. Yeah, Ontario is the same thing up here in Canada. So, yeah, uh, a, few, a few places are definitely feeling that pain. But if you are in a, in a, in a place, in a, probably likely a state, I don't know if there's any Canadian provinces that allow it, but if you're any of the U.S. states, I have underdog available again. Use the promo code GF2, scan the QR code, and get that double deposit mapped. It's good stuff. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oh, uh, hey, look at that. Speak of uh, speak of the Gator. There he is. Uh, hey. Yeah. Looking. Thank you. Yeah, probably looking Gator. strong as always. So we see you, Gator. Thanks for popping in, bud. I appreciate you. Oh, apparently we're going to get pressure because Joe will will uh, will hop in. Apparently, so. Uh, but yes, yeah, we'll be past the Joe Pepe praise at that point. But yeah, I got I got to thank Gator because I think the stuff he did with Fantasy and Frames is what allowed me to kind of discover it, discover you guys, and uh, and discover you, Rhett, and and my decision to want to bring you on. So let's let the whole world or everyone who's watching know a bit about Rhett. So, what are your first sports memories? We always start at the start with that question. Man, um, I'm going to start with my dad because my dad is a guy who is super passionate about a lot of things but one thing he's exceptionally passionate about is lsu sports and in particular lsu football there was just something about those saturday nights in front of a tv um seeing him rant and rave and just complain and yell and let out a few inappropriate words that somewhere along the line you're just like man there's some passion there that you kind of just want to dive into for yourself you know it's because of him that i'm probably a sports fan to this day and you know so for him, I'm just grateful that, you know, for later on, there might have been some eye rolls later on. Like, what is this guy doing? You know, but in the moment, whenever you're a kid and you see somebody so passionate, you know, you want to love what your dad loves. So for me, that's where the whole sports thing began, really. Yeah, I think our, our parents, so much of our early influences are you know, the things our parents instill on us. So, yeah, I know both my parents super into sports. That's same here. Probably the reason I, I like loved it so much. But uh, what uh, made your transition from just watching sports and loving to potentially play sports to wanting to play fantasy sports in particular? Man, I cannot tell you when I started playing fantasy sports, but I was a very early adopter. When I say early adopter, I'm 38 years old now. And I could remember probably being 12 or 13 years old, jumping on Yahoo and playing fantasy sports. So I've done it for like a super long time. Matter of fact, I can remember getting excited 
about of all people i'm about to get a super deep cut on you like i don't know if you even heard of or remember the chiefs quarterback tyler thigpen no no marcus thigpen i'm thinking for some reason marcus thigpen but yeah no there's a tyler thigpen and tyler thigpen in the late 90s early 2000s nfl i'm not sure when it was back then my man had a 400 yard passing game and my little ignorant mind i'm going this is the next big thing this is the guy you know i'm thinking he's patrick mahomes 20 years before patrick mahomes happens come to find out that's not really the case but i mean that's one of those things that's one of the first guys that i I was like okay um but if we're going to compare it to somebody later on that's probably in both of our wheelhouses that was probably his jonas gray game that one 400 yard game he had where he seemed relevant and then he just wasn't ever again but yeah um i was probably 12 or 13 playing fantasy sports um then me and one of my buddies several years back started this home league um kind of that's kind of my baby league where we kind of started adding things every year started adding in some idp stuff different things like that got into some salary cap auction stuff about five years ago um really if there's a fantasy football format i've probably played it at least once and you know i've loved them all but when it came down to it we'll talk a little bit later about the preferred format later but that first memory tyler thickpin 400 yards kansas city chiefs yeah it was a it was a good time and it's kind of one of those moments that i guess kind of set the hook for me from there and made me realize okay i really enjoy this yeah i'm just like i'm looking up a bit about Thigpin right now so it looks like he played for the the chiefs and then uh later went to the dolphins bills Browns. so yeah a journeyman 2007 2009 he was with the chiefs so one of those yeah he's a journeyman is what he ended up being like but and you know time messes things up so you're saying it's like that was like 07 to 09 are you sure now i have to uh, look this up <laughs> yeah uh he was uh drafted by the vikings in 2007 but it looks like he was just on their taxi squad so he joined the chiefs later that year huh looks like it, unless i've got this wrong no, this is the guy. He's apparently only 39 years old. So, I mean, sure. I mean, let's go for that. So, let's look up the 400-yard game while we're at it because I am uh, I am super in, in thrilled, thrilled by this. All right. So, yeah. November 14, 2008, Sports Illustrated, Bucky Brooks, Big Ben solidifies job as Chiefs franchise QB. That didn't age well, Bucky Brooks. I'm sorry. Hey, the- yeah, he's a scout at heart, right? Scouts don't always get it wrong. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, Marcus Thigpen is a running back. Okay, okay, that's yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're not related at all, even though th- their names are spelled the same. But... Either way, this is an awesome deep dive. I'm here for it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost as much of a deep dive as uh, you guys do at the uh, Fancy Frames IDP show. I've known, I've seen a few episodes specifically of that, the mock drafts with IDP, and yeah, seems like a well-rounded group of. Uh, individuals a lot of knowledge on the show and also gator yeah um that idp show like between jorge and nate like those two dudes are just absolute studs at what they do man nate is one of the nicest guys too like those guys they know their stuff like it's amazing the stuff they pull out on a weekly basis they're awesome it's like they can almost like they're teaching you every every week yeah that's the job i guess uh, yeah, so speaking of job, uh, there's uh, you know, all the guests this year have uh, teaching as a profession as their careers. So uh, 
guess we'll we'll get back to fantasy football in a bit. But Rhett, uh, when were the first inclinations in your life that you wanted to teach? Dude, if I'm going to be honest with you, it was never a thing coming up where I was going to be like, you know what I'm going to do when I grow up? I'm going to be a teacher. That wasn't the case. I graduated college with a degree in mass communications. I'm actually a sports journalist at heart, and I still do it on the side a little bit. But what happened was I met my wonderful wife, and my wife one day, we're kind of sitting at home before we were married, and she goes, Rhett, why don't you become a teacher? I think you'd be good at it. And let's be honest with our current schedules, we don't have much of a life together right now. So when I coupled that with the fact that I've always had a heart for serving kids, whether it be through church community, coaching kids, whatever it was, it just felt like a natural fit for me to jump into that. So since then, it's been about eight years I've been in this teaching stuff. Man, started started off with a uh, private equity firm first that, that was a startup doing some uh, standardized test prep got my feet wet there and then from there after that a gig was done uh the principal at my hometown school i actually found out they had an english opening there so i just threw my name into the hat see what would happen and he decided to take a shot on me i've been there since and the rest is history man you know that's home that's my kids those are kids that want to see doing well come out of my community so i couldn't see myself really at any other school because like i said those are my guys that, you know, that's the halls I walked. Um, I see similarities in them and me, you know, we eat the same foods. We have the same thoughts. Sometimes uh, they like to call me old, but I don't hold it against them. Um, it is what it is, man. That's just, it's, it's my wife who said, I think you'd be good at this. And she was, she didn't realize at the time that she was helping me find a passion that I didn't realize I had. So I'm grateful to her for that. Yeah. Sometimes the, the luck of, the path right of, of not knowing where we're, we're going exactly just having the faith to go down it and having the people in your life to urge you to do that and see something in you that you don't normally see is whether yeah whether it's your wife or the, the principal at the school who's willing to take a chance so many people took a shot on me and telling me that they thought i can do this and i can't repay them enough if we're being honest well apparently jamie can't repay you guys enough for uh, tight end advice uh we went to the bar on friday listening to their show live about uh tight ends i guess so um jamie needs to let me know who he drafted because i'm trying to self-anoint myself as being the tight end guy with our uh brand so jamie who'd you draft and i'll let you know if it was a, a good choice it was probably a great choice he said it was a tight end which one jamie come on bud ah uh, that might be uh i don't know if we're talking football anymore right we, oh. we got away from the fantasy football or at least the football part don't get fired uh, uh good old jamie uh, but yes, back to the, the teaching portion. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The truth comes out. Yeah. Well, hey, if fantasy and frames can help with that, perfect. I know as a fellow framer. Uh, we wear many hats. Are... <laughs> it's all in the eyes. Yeah. Uh, um, but yes, I guess uh, back to the teaching portion. Uh, have you ever used fantasy sports as part of any of the, a lesson plan? Um, in the past, no, but actually this year, since we started doing the podcast, I'm actually going to take some time because one of the classes I teach is a speech class. So public speaking, I think I'm actually going to introduce a unit this year where I kind of teach them how to do a little bit of content creation through StreamYard, creating graphics, you know, have them upload, make a YouTube channel, have them upload their own stuff. As long as it's school appropriate and things like that, you know, just kind of, 
I think I'm going to help them branch out on that this year because a lot of kids are not about the idea of speaking in public in front of a crowd of people, but they all have this dream of being streamers. Like for them, it's like a legitimate gig. And for me, I'm thinking education shouldn't end in a classroom or start in a classroom. So if we can give them as many tools as possible to diversify themselves and have different skill sets, then let's go for it. Well, and, uh, you know, any anything that you know, provides revenue can be a career, right? So anything that has that opportunity, uh, you, know, we, you know, we as teachers shouldn't limit students' minds in terms of what their possibilities are, right? Like, now the idea is, you know, the, the future career you have might be something that I wouldn't even consider, but, you know, the younger generation, you'll, you'll grow and evolve as with technology to create, you know, new, new sectors could be created that we don't, we don't even consider right now. So yeah, open-mindedness and, is important. And more than that, on top of that, these, uh, this generation needs to feel engaged. So if there's some way that I can connect the skill that I have with something that they're interested in and marry those two things together... I mean, it's it's a perfect marriage, and we kind of have to do it at this point. I think all season long, one of the things that's been mentioned is, you know, a lot of people, uh, the people who like, let's say, there's been a few guests where the, the 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 inclination to first teach has come a lot younger when they've still been in school, they've still been in elementary or high school, and it was like specific teachers that they they were able to engage with and kind of modeling to I want to be like them. That's what I would like to do, and it just seems like. But everyone has kind of mentioned like the connection to, you know, show that you're a real person. It's super important for any teacher to have that good relationship with students. Oh, relationships are so paramount. It's, I was at a conference earlier this summer in Dallas and one of the teacher uh, speakers was a guy named Bradley Skinner. I don't know if you're watching Bradley, but you influenced me greatly with this. And he was giving a talk up there. And one of the things he said is, before you need, before you can give them a piece of your mind, you need to give them a piece of your heart, which I was like, that's so deep and so good. And so that's kind of where I've always been. And I've told my kids for the past eight years, before I heard this talk, I told them, I said, look, because I teach a lot of freshmen. So my job, the content is secondary to making sure that you're a better young man or woman by the time you leave my class this year. And some of them get it and some of them don't. And that's okay because I know that my heart's in the right place and I'm really trying to lead with love in that situation. So yeah, relationships are the centerpiece, the cornerstone, the foundation of anything you do in a classroom. Because if you can't connect, then you can't get them and you can't get them to listen to no matter what the advice is. If you don't, if they don't like you, if students don't like you, your job is that much tougher. So yeah, hundred percent relationships. I think one thing I just kind of thought of the word is trust. They, they if they if they don't trust you, they're not going to want to learn from you. So spot you know, on, dude. You, you being authentic, yeah, I think is a big part of that. And like that's like the opening, like you said, that that expression that is, that is really profound. You know, give them a piece of your heart. That's what allows them to gain that trust. Right, and that's it's kind of what I've been working at, and I haven't always been perfect at it. But, you know, you're thinking about it as a 38-year-old man dealing with 110, 120 kids every day, five days a week, then coming home and having your own kids that you got to give yourself to as well. I mean, you get spread pretty thin, so it's hard to give 100% of yourself to everybody every single day. But you really do the best you can. And if you're a C one day, you better come to be an A-plus the next day. Otherwise, you'll just lose them completely. 
I know uh, Jamie's mentioning uh, you know needing help public speaking and saying that's his weakness, but uh, I would ask JB, like since you've been on the fantasy cheat sheet and doing all these things with going for two, have you found that's gotten better? And he says he dropped out of classes in college if they required an oral exam in front of the class. I still have the fear of public speaking, but I give my fear nowadays trying to do podcasts. So I, I think you always speak really well, whether it's the Sunday live streams, Jamie, or, or on the cheat sheet. Uh, but yeah, I do wonder if that's the, taking those steps and going through all the podcasting has really helped you with that. Uh, but yeah, it's faking until you make it until you figure it out is really <laughs> a lot of what public speaking is. Uh, yeah, and I and just to his point of you know the the classes requiring it, and I, I know in high schools now it seems like you know as a substitute for presenting in front of the class it seems like a lot of students want to utilize all these technologies they have to oh can i just record my presentation and show it instead it seems like that that's less nerve-wracking for them than to actually speak in front of everybody even if the, the idea is everyone will see this anyway and they'll see me talking but i don't have to be talking while they're watching me talk so it's no it's the it's the idea more than anything of the fact that someone's going to laugh at me in this room is what people have a fear of overcoming. Whereas um, think about just social media in general, where people are just more inclined to say whatever they, whatever the heck they want to say behind a keyboard, because there's some sort of buffer there. And I don't have the fear of that consequence of someone laughing at me behind the screen because the next day I'll see him face to face and it'll all seem fine like it never even happened. So like that's just a matter of the generation that we're in and the fact that screens and technology, and God, I sound old right now, um, but the fact that technology has changed the way we communicate so much. It's not like talking about Tyler Thigpen makes you feel that old, right? Yeah, get off my lawn, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, and I mean, and the truth is the Jamie St. Credit, he's still trying to overcome that. But uh, so to everyone who's watching is, is maybe even really dealing with that fear of how, however a public speaker or, or fear of any of any type of uh, situation it's the, to, to work through it is the really the only way uh, as much as you, know, you take little by little steps uh, whatever you need um, and again i'm sure jamie if you look back to your first podcast episodes to like a recent episode i'm sure you'd see changes in yourself too that you, like you you'd see the improvement it's tough to see those improvements when like it's us I'm sure that's something that students struggle with too, is like they're putting little bit of works in, but those steps to make drastic improvements, they seem really long and far, but you know, over the course of an entire semester, you can see like, how, you know where you were and how you've changed. Yeah. Everyone is so results oriented these days. It's like, everybody wants to see the result. Um, nobody really appreciates, um, I hate to sound like a cliche, but I wear I wear it on my wrist. It's trust the process. Like the 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 idea that things don't come overnight and that the result is um, it's not the outcome; it's the reward. I guess you could say it's like otherwise, you know, what are we doing all this work for? You know, we can't expect to be great until we actually put in that work. And that's something I tell my um, students as well. So, Jamie, I'm gonna give you a quick tip, okay? Next time you're in a room and you have to speak to a bunch of people, find a spot somewhere in the room where it looks like you're making contact with those people, but not really. So if there's like a spot on the wall, look at that spot, find one spot in each area of the room, and then it looks like you're working the whole room and making eye contact with the whole room when really you aren't. 
You're just looking just above their heads. It, it, Pretty much. That's the trick. Yeah, so and the I, person will always think, oh, they're probably looking at the person right behind me, but they're at least looking at, at us as a group. Yeah, we're in the vicinity. We're in the ballpark. So, like, uh, that's good enough for me. I'd feel that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, so so certainly, uh, yeah. Uh, your, your students never show. So the, the size that they, they don't, they, I don't, I guess, I don't know. Do you use that trick or? I, I do tell them that. And sometimes they're like, oh, that really helps. Thank you, Mr. Manuel. And other, other times they're like, no, that's stupid. I don't want to hear that. Why are you trying to give me the talk of through these people? And I'm like, dog, just do it. Like, if nothing else, get your grade and get out of here so you don't have to do this again next year. Like, <laughs> you have to provide motivation somehow. You got to keep it real. Like, once again, trust. Like, I, I can't tell you any other way than I know how to tell you. Uh, we've got a few other people chiming in as well. Um, Beyond the Gridiron, which is almost as, a little bit of the sense of this show, right? Uh, he says, what's up, y'all? Keep crushing it. Uh, Drew, I believe this is your co-host on Fantasy Frames, or one of your co-hosts, and says, Red is an awesome fantasy analyst and even better human being. Awesome choice of a guest. Oh, Drew, I'll say thank you for uh, my awesome choice of a guest. I'll take Yes. Thank you, Drew, for also being the best. You're, you're a great dude. All right. Well, Jamie, of course, Jamie would ask this. Uh, so focus, not focus on actual people. Can I picture the hot girl naked too and focus on those spots? If it helps you focus, uh, it, no one will know what you're thinking. So if whatever you need to help get yourself through it, if, if that makes it easier, go for it. If it makes it harder, you probably don't. And I'm not touching that because I'm happily married and we're not going there, bud. Sorry. Not for me. Not tonight. I don't know if my wife's listening. <laughs> you better hope not. Uh, yeah, she, she doesn't want to listen to stuff. Fantasy football. Uh, um, Rhett, you are awesome. Is, uh, beyond the gridiron says. Appreciate you, man. Thank beyond you. Beyond true, I would say. Uh, but yeah, so uh, next question is, uh, what parallels can you draw between your time teaching, but also your time and your experiences in fantasy football and uh, the fantasy football community in general? It boils down to a really simple mantra for me, and that is in teaching – and in fantasy football preparation, always be prepared for anything. Like anything can happen in the classroom on a daily basis. Like some kid could come in and be having the worst day and the next day be a completely different person. You know, there could be a huge fight at school one day and the next day everything just be perfectly normal. One day you could have Travis Etienne be perfectly healthy and then tear his ACL the very next day and then it's Tank Bigsby season. Like. So you should always have that preparation, that backup plan as a teacher and as a fantasy football player. Just have it in your back pocket and be ready for anything because that's really – life is about throwing you curveballs, and if you can't hit the curveball, then you're not going to survive. Yeah, you're just going to strike out or, or ball out or foul out. I don't know. I, I don't know baseball. Not a baseball guy. Okay, it's fine. Um, I guess go Blue Jays, um, Canada, right? Uh, and, and yeah, Jamie, that was kind of the joke I was trying to get at. Um, it was, uh, wasn't too hard to see the joke there, obviously. Yeah, ja Jamie's too much tonight. Like, he, he doesn't do this on fourth and frames. Oh, he so, does this on our, us, our, our shows all the time. It's so uh, whatever, whatever y'all are doing here, he feels comfortable. And you know, that's the first trick to public speaking, Jamie, is get comfortable. So, whatever you feel around here. Take that essence, get it out there. Maybe don't be so blunt about it, but take that inspiration and put it out in the public speaking realm. You'll do gangbusters, man. I promise. 
I will say he usually leaves the blunt comments for when he's not on camera. Like when he's on on the cheat sheet or Sunday mornings, he like he's got his topics to get through. Like you know, he's not gonna make all these comments. But he, when he's sitting watching us and he can just throw out whatever comments, he has a lot of. <laughs> so we, we certainly appreciate. It. Pros pro until he doesn't have to be. I get it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, he knows his limits and he knows when to when to take advantage. Uh, so, uh, Rhett, who have been the biggest influences in your life so far? Uh, we're going to go ahead and just run down the gamut because I like I've said it previously mentioned I wouldn't be anywhere without my wife at this point. You know, she's been my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader. Uh, she has my back. I'm getting a little emotional talking about it right now. She's been for the better part of a decade just that person who's just been by my side and supported me. Um, obviously my kids, you know, my daughter, she'll, she'll randomly just come and punch me in the gut every once in a while for no good reason, but she's seven and she's great. Um, my son's 14. He's going to be at our school starting Friday. So to see him growing up is super weird as well, but you know, just having those people at home every day that I can come home and center with and just kind of talk to and talk out a day and decompress is huge for me. You know, any, my best friends in the world, you know, if I have a best friend, who lives around the corner from me literally for 20 years. A guy, a couple guys that I can just text at any given moment when I'm struggling, you know, those guys. Um, and I don't know if we are a super uh, religious sort of thing here, but my pastor over the past four years has really helped me center and find, you know, just some really practical ways of approaching things. Like he was uh, given a sermon yesterday. And one of the things he said was, Think about what you think about. He's starting a series on mindset. And I'm just like, that was super profound. It's just like to think about what your thoughts are and how they can help you guide your life and what you're prioritizing. So just like little things right there, those little inspirations, little nuggets throughout the day that kind of help me push through and help me uh, do the best I can. And especially in like a classroom situation where sometimes your patience will get tested like that. Think about what you think about thing is probably going to help me quite a bit this year. So, you know, those are a few inspirations. Um, it's at home. It's in my social life. You know, it's in finding those tribes, finding those communities. I mean, there's influences are everywhere, man. My students, uh, my administrators, my fellow teachers, my coworkers, um, the sports stuff I do, like fantasy and frames. There are so many people that just influence me and help me try to be better on a daily basis. Like, I really believe in culture and people as a driving force in making people who they are. Like you can't do it alone. Yeah, the the family, not just our actual family, but the family that surrounds us in, the, the, in society, super important. And apparently Jamie's mentioning going for two is like family. So I feel completely comfortable with these guys. Has all the comments and we love it, Jamie. Feel only awesome that, uh, that you're that comfortable and that uh, we make it so great here at going for two. So yeah, but Jamie, you're with us every week now on fourth and frame. So like, if you want to start cutting loose, um, not now that we've seen the real slim shady stand up, like go crazy, man. Have fun. Yeah, I guess uh, Cleveland's not that far from eight mile, right? <laughs> A few miles away, eight eight or so miles. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just to the what your pastor was saying, I think it it's, it can apply in a lot of different ways, and like from a, from a sacred way, like to help focus on your faith itself. Yeah, hundred percent. Faith are important, but then you can take it to all the secular aspects of your life, just uh, life in general, dude. It's like, think about, think about what you think about. It's like on a get on a daily basis. Let's say, let's take it back to my classroom. Let's say that a student is deciding they're not interested 
and anything I have to say on that day. The first question I have to ask myself if I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. Number one, is this my fault? And the answer to that is probably not. So if it's not my fault, why should I take it personally and lash out on him? So if my mind's in the right place, then I should be able to make a thousand more decisions in a thousand better ways if I'm approaching things the right way in my mind. So like that's where that's where I really took a lot of the value for what my pastor said and looking to apply it in that way as well. I know a big buzzword in, in our teaching system in, in Ontario is mindfulness, getting Ooh. essentially being present, right? And it all kind of applies to just, just focus on what you're thinking about, right? It all, it all is one, basically one big message. Yep, having that community, that culture, that continuity across the board because teachers, uh, students aren't going to like every teacher they come across. But if your culture as a community, as a school is put together as a whole, then they're more likely to come back and swing the bat on a day-to-day -day basis regardless. So, yeah, Faith is very important in daily life, Jamie says. I need more of that in my life to keep growing positively. I'll just though, like I, I put a lot of faith in like Jonathan Taylor and the leagues where I have him, not ship, shipping him off. Like just have faith that it'll be resolved. By the way, I appreciate you saying Jonathan Taylor because I need to just drop this nickname that I heard several years ago. I don't know if you listen to the podcast, The Solid Verbal, or if or if you're familiar with the American sitcom Home Improvement. Yeah, I've seen Home Improvement before. But several years ago, they started calling Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor Tailbag JTT. So I've it stuck with me, and that's still what I refer to him as. He's JTT in my heart. Okay, yeah, yeah. Get the extra T, maybe if that if with that extra T, he'll get that extra digit in his in his <laughs> paycheck. <laughs> Whoever signs cool. next year, I suppose. Sensitive subject right now. That's why we're the shirt. Running backs do matter. I fully support oh. Jonathan Taylor and all and all other. That's people. a dope shirt. I like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Reading Global is where I ordered it from. They got a few. Uh, you know, that's where I got the hat from as well. I know we've uh, are going for two dot com. Head on there. You can go to the store section of going for two com. That'll bring you to the uh, going for two collection on Reading Global. Uh, but yeah, Reading has so many great things from other different podcasts, but also some just like original stuff, like uh, player specific shirts. We've got a touchdown vulture shirt. I like to wear sometimes. Dude, you're freaking good at this plugging thing. Can I just put that out there right now? Like, you hosting, you're in your lane. Like, good job. Oh, thank, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. I try. I guess Jeff, Jeff <laughs> knew what he was doing when he gave me this, I guess. There you go. Uh, oh, okay. So, well, you talk about plugs. Jamie plugged this one perfectly. So, apparently, there's a Jonathan Taylor bold prediction tomorrow night on the Fantasy Cheat Sheet. I believe they'll start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Going for Two Live Network. So, wherever you're watching this, if you're watching this live, just uh, head to that same spot to basically in a, another 24 hours, 25 hours. But at the same time, there will also be fourth and frames going on tomorrow night as well. So tune in to both. Give us both the stream. You know, mute one of us. Mute both of us. It doesn't really matter. Just give us the views. It'll help out. Like, like all the videos. You can have the, if you're on Twitter X, you can, you can still share it too. So even though the I'm never you, that logo is still a, a bird, not an X. Yeah, I'm never calling it X. I'm sorry. That's not happening. Uh, that's fine. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll X out that idea. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, I guess I was trying to make a, a quick joke there, but, uh, uh, you know, being on X probably isn't one of your favorite hobbies. Maybe it is being on, on Twitter, but what are your, your favorite hobbies? Right? All right, so 
obviously fantasy football is a big part of uh, what I do on a yearly basis, especially doing some dynasty stuff year round. It kind of is a year round hobby. But whenever it's not 110 degrees outside, which it is right now in Louisiana, I do like an occasional round of golf. Um, I do like playing video games, be it myself or with my son, you know, just relaxing at home. Or, you know, whenever we want to take a vacation, um, we do like taking an occasional cruise. So, you know, big cruise guy, I just like the idea of being able to turn my brain off and have everybody worry about everything else. Except for me having to worry about it and just having fun for like five or so days. I mean, I've really taken a liking that, you know, can't do it as often as I'd like, but, you know, teacher salaries, what can you do? Uh, nice. It's funny because I, I just realized like cruising, it's not just like the, the act of what the boat's doing in the water. It's like you're just you're cruising in terms of like you're in cruise control. You don't have to press the brakes or the gas or anything. You know, I actually didn't realize that until you said it just now as well. So you weren't the only one that that went over their head. So it's me too. So it's fine. So, yeah, I mean, these thoughts are just cruising through my mind. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Jamie for uh, shouting out my uh, full press fantasy podcast. You know, we're Talking about positional tiers, I guess that's kind of this time of year everyone's talking rankings, tiers. So we're here dead smack in the middle of a couple episodes uh, planned this week. Yeah, actually what we're doing right now on 4th is you've been tuning in. We've been doing uh, divisional previews with must, bust, and maybes from every team. So we're not really doing the rankings thing right now. We're just kind of helping people try to figure out who they might want to get, who they might want to avoid. Some of them are obvious. Last week, I was Miami. I'm like, Tyreek Hill, who else would you go with? This week with the Rams, you know, there's a couple options there. We might get a little more in the weeds. Um, you know, who knows? Somebody might throw out a Puka Nagua uh, reference. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I, I thought know. it was Nakua. But, but, uh, yeah. See, Louisiana, poor educational system. We'll blame it on that. Uh, Puka Nagua. Yeah, great. But not but, because of the teachers, though, I would say, because Rhett's great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't want to put myself out there like that. You're great. Love that. Uh, yes, fairly. J- and yeah, Jamie, Not no surprise, always uh, tuning in and supporting tons of shows, including Fantasy and Frames, right up until he's on live. Yeah, that's true. Usually when I'm in the background waiting for guests or other co-hosts, I'll be usually listening to another show uh, in the wait. So yeah, I'm trying to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. You guys are appreciative for just supporting as many people as possible because... We were talking before the show how that's important, that um, network of people you can rely on and who you can call on. Like, it really matters, man. Like, and it makes you feel supported and wanted and that, like, the opinions you're putting out there are actually, um, can I throw a minor curse word out there? Sure. Yeah, that your opinions are actually worth a damn. So it's, you know, it's, it matters. And we appreciate that for sure. I know Gerson. I, I love Gerson, but whenever he does the DFS shows on Friday, he'll he'll throw out a lot more uh, colorful language than than the word "damn." So. Oh no, I'm a. I, I try to keep it as straight laced as possible when we do anything. So you know, once again, trying to lead my kids the right way. So you know, I can't be out there saying all these words and then fussing them whenever they're saying all these words because if I can't lead by example, then well, I'm a hypocrite. now now we all know you lead by example. But is there? Anything else in the fantasy community that uh, others don't know about you yet that you'd like to share with us? Oh, dude. Um, I wear too many hats on a daily basis, you know, whether it's teaching. Um, I'm my school's quiz bowl sponsor, so we do that. You know, we do those practices on Sundays. Uh, we travel to some tournaments. I actually, 
am also the sports editor of a bi-weekly paper. So, you know, got some awards for that a couple of weeks ago, you know, columns, stories, just all kinds of different things. So I wear too many hats on as if teaching and being a good husband and parenting wasn't enough. I mean, sure, let's just add on the being as good of a fantasy football analyst as you can be. And then trying to be as good of a journalist as you can be. So do I spread myself too thin? Probably. But, you know, it's all passion things. I don't do things unless I enjoy them and unless I feel like they're productive for me. So I don't feel like I'm ever wasting my time doing all these things. Yeah. If, you're, if you, whatever you're doing is worth it, then it's worthy investment of that time. 100%. All right. Well, about that time, we get to the uh, back to the fantasy football questions. So I realized we didn't have the fantasy football gridiron background on for the first 40 minutes of the show, but now there it is. And right in time for the, the fantasy question. So uh, this might take a while. I, I, lo- I, I think I've gotten a hint at what this answer will be, and I, I'm, I'm giddy. But uh, Rhett, what is your preferred league format for fantasy football? So I'm so happy that I can come here and not get a weird look whenever I say this, but um, some of my friends about five years ago introduced me to this website called Reality Sports Online and this ridiculous contract NFL salary cap driven format, which is kind of dynasty, kind of redraft, kind of keeper league, kind of everything thrown into one. And, you know, it's just been so much fun to throw myself into that on a year round basis and like, Drafted Zay Flowers in the rookie draft this year. So now I'm like, oh, in two years, I have to make a decision on that rookie option, whether he's going to be worth the $30 million investment on that fourth year or whatever the heck it's going to be by then. So, you know, um, I've really, really enjoyed that format. But, you know, I've done some best ball stuff before. Not really for me, because to be honest, and I I don't want to poo-poo my best ball people too much, but, I mean, it's it's drafting, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, there's the redraft stuff. There's the keeper stuff. Um, love IDP formats as well. Uh, that's one of the things that kind of drew me to fantasy and frames was that Jorge is such a big IDP guy and developed his own scoring system and all this different stuff. So whenever he was an IDP guy, I kind of figured that that was the place for me to kind of, um, learn how to do this fantasy football, uh, content creation stuff. So, yeah. Contract Dynasty, uh, big big for me. Just got out of a draft. I think the biggest, the most money I spent the auction in this past one was like two years, $17 million on Brandon Cooks. But I was pretty well set pretty much everywhere else. You know, there was Josh Allen, Austin Eckler, A.J. Brown were already on my books. So, you know, I had a pretty solid core in place. So I didn't feel like I had to overspend much anywhere. Also, I had Travis Etienne, Michael Pittman. So, it was a pretty solid core of a team. So I really just needed a starting tight end, which by the way, Cole commit four years, 18 million. So not terrible. Yeah. I'm just uh, looking at uh, my RSO league in our auction back in, I guess it was June. Uh, Braden cooks went for two years, 21 million. So you got him a little bit less and the, the salary cap is of course the same in every league. Yeah. But the weird thing about the RSO format is that the salaries and the franchise tags and everything vary on a league-to-league basis. So if you're playing in a 10-team, those numbers go up. If it's a 14, those numbers go down. And if you – how deep are y'all's rosters? 
Uh, we do 30, 30 man rosters in the off season and uh, cuts down to 26 at the season. We do 32 or 33 year round. So, you know, we just, we have these huge like IDP rosters too. So, you know, we have positional starters at defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back. And I, we might have a flex as well. We do have a flex as well. So we have like seven or eight weekly defensive starters as well too. So it's pretty deep. It's good stuff though. I enjoy it. Well, it's, it's funny because my first IDP league was a salary cap contract league. And then you know, uh, James Vecchio approached me as, as wanting to join. He's gathering a few people he thought would be good fits for the, the format. And uh, I'd never played IDP up to that point in Dynasty. And I think a couple V draft leagues would Actually, yeah, my, uh, my oldest redraft league I've been in since 2012. It there used to be IDP flex spots that were thrown in, like the the that league. It's uh, the commissioner and a lot of people in the league are very open to just changing things every year. Some years we've been one QB, some years we've been super flex. The number of teams have changed, so I got a bit of IDP exposure there. But yeah, uh, you tell me, oh, there's salary cap contract added to it. That that you'll get me into any format if you can throw the, the salary cap contract argument. And, Sure, I'll play Dynasty IDP as long as their salaries, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's one of these things is that in this particular league, I've kind of learned, and I don't know if it's the same for you or not, but I've kind of learned over the years that if there's a place that I can kind of fall back and not spend as much money, so that way I can spend money on Austin Eckler or an A.J. Brown, is kind of finding those guys on the wire in IDP. Like, I was just able to get in that same auction I got Carl Granderson, who I think is going to have a bigger role with the Saints on a 500K on a minimum contract. So I was like, I'll take that and I'll roll the dice on that because if I have to release him, it doesn't count against my cap at the end of the day. So I was I was happy with that. Then I went Jalen Pete like two years, 14 million. Overpaid rookie, because right? I um, – last year's rookie. Yeah, last year's rookie who had like 150 tackles or whatever. And so at that point I was like, I literally haven't spent money anywhere else. I can afford to splurge a little bit right here and get a guy that I think is going to um, give me some high tackle numbers in a spot where you don't really necessarily always get that. So, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Got another one coming up soon. And assuming he made it through the rookie draft, so if anyone had him last year, probably would have just been picked up one-year contract, right? And I know Jamie's mentioning it. Was there a way to get Dulcich cheaper than Komet? But I would imagine Dulcich was probably taken in the rookie draft. So No, Dulcich, two- Dulcich wasn't taken in that rookie draft. But he ended up in auction. We had a guy that was crazy for him, so his actual annual value ended up being like twice as much as Komet's. So I just – I'd had Komet on the rookie deal, let it expire, and just come back and got him because the extension was less than the actual new contract. So I was happy with it. Yeah, those those expansion amounts. And, of course, you don't always know that, right, Like because you're having to pick those extensions – before week 13 the previous season so it's a bit of a gamble time-wise right like okay i think this will probably be more expensive than what i'll get him in free agency but you, you might turn out surprised so it's always it's always a bit of a gamble either way but that's that's part of the fun of it though yeah yeah oh it's it's a great format i would suggest anybody try it once and if it's not for you it's not for you but you, i feel like you really have to try the rso format at least once because it's literally like nothing you've ever played and Go I through at that. least one full year cycle, like yeah. do an auction, get the the feel, you know, the rookie draft at least that kind of you know how a typical dynasty rookie draft would function. But just you know having to navigate your salary cap, and frankly, once you get to the season, and it's just roster management like you would in, in any other dynasty league with the caveat of those contracts attached. Yeah, so 
Right. No, it's it's good stuff. Apparently, Jamie uh, orphaned off his uh, or, or uh, donated his uh, first Dynasty IDP Flex team to uh, to Gator, and uh, yeah. So it was. Uh, I guess it was. Uh, uh, was it last year? Or no? He. I guess he just. Jamie's confident that he that team can win a championship. So. And he says Gator's going to owe him a burrito if he wins. So I mean, Gator, that's a fair trade. If you win money off of this. And Jamie's asking for a little bit of Chipotle. Like you feed that man Chipotle. Just it's only right. Yeah, it's not like he's a, a gator and will eat an entire human being at once, right? Like it's just, it's just uh, he's just asking for a burrito. Low burrito, it's fine. Awesome, but uh, yeah, so that yeah, so that was uh, maybe the longest we've ever dove into the question of favorite league format. But I love it because you're the first that's mentioned salary cap contract, and that is the <laughs> format too. So finally found a guest that would say it. You're welcome. This is only episode 39. It took 39 episodes to find it. We did. We finally found it. I am your needle in a haystack, buddy. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. I didn't even have to look too hard with my frames. Uh, but um, I keep framing these jokes. But uh, yeah, yeah. Some, of them, some of them the window. Framing these jokes. Framing. What a pro. What a freaking pro. Anyway. So, Rhett, what is one rule that you feel like you have to have in every fantasy league? Well, I'm going to go back to this, and as I previously mentioned, I've just kind of fallen into this IDP thing, and I've kind of gotten bored whenever we're just playing team defenses and special teams. It's like, what are we doing? There's a deeper layer to this. You can have so much more fun. You can just fully nerd yourself out trying to figure out whether Carl Granderson or Yannick Ngagwe is going to have a better rush rate this year. Um you know, you can avoid the idea of whether Justin Tucker really matters and is going to win you a week. He might every once in a while, but by and large, that's pretty much a crapshoot. I'm just giving you guys the gospel so you know where I'm coming from. Um, IDP forever, no team, no kickers forever. That's where I'm standing. That's the hill I'm dying on. All right, so this just gave me another idea. So next question is always uh, your all-time favorite QB1, RB1, wide receiver one, tight end one. Red, just off the fly, uh, pulling an audible here. Do I also add in your favorite IDP player you've ever rostered in fantasy? Oh, God, that's so good. Um, all right, I'm going to give you a deep cut on the IDP because I had to do some uh, some really uh, crazy scouting on this a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago, so much so that I'm – okay, I have his name off the top of my head. So a couple years ago, I'm, like, prepping for this auction – and I'm like, I need to find somebody that no one's going to go for. So I went into this whole thing doing like value over replacement charts, like really diving into the weeds. And I landed upon A.J. Johnson of the Denver Broncos being a guy who, in terms of what his contract was going to be and his warp score, just so I went with that and it ended up working relatively well that year. There was also a couple of Matt Milano years before he was Matt Milano that kind of worked out well for me there. So if I can find any sort of deep cut of a player for IDP, then that's where I'm going. Like if I can find a, if I could find me a good bargain, a good value, then I'm just going to be all about that life. So especially in auctions where you can cost control, like I'm just going to spend the minimum possible $1 in conventional auctions or 500. Right. Right. So, So, AJ Johnson, Matt Milano were the first two guys that come to the top of my head. 
And uh, I know Milano's a linebacker, AJ Johnson as well, linebacker. Yeah, he was a line. He was like a 29 year old linebacker before he actually semi broke out. Like he was a very late bloomer. But yeah, both linebackers. Uh, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs goalie who like didn't start a game until he was 30. I think it was Glenn Hall, but then like was with them for a few Stanley Cup runs, and it was okay. Oh, th- this old goalie, yeah. Do you remember that thing you just talked about where you said you don't know baseball? Yeah. That's me with hockey. Like you're you're over my head right now, completely. It's right, it's so good. Yeah, we we won't dive into hockey. This is we won't even dive into team defenses or kickers just to make Jamie happy. But uh, certainly, I think that that's hey going for two, right? The hat says it. Like we're all about kickers are extra. We give them the boot. Shout out to to former guest on the show, uh, Gabe Gearing, for that intro music with Jeff Lankowitz. Dude, your intro music is awesome. By the way, that is great stuff. Yeah, that, that I think Jeff put that one together. But yeah, um, check out again the, the main theme on the on the Armchair Show on Wednesdays. Again, plugging another show on the network, of course. Yeah, the one you had tonight, I was vibing for real. I was like, "Yo, that is good." Like yeah. ours is good, but y'all's is good too. Like, I'm gonna be a company man and say ours is better, but yours is like a really, really close second. It's closer than you realize. That's good. Yes, no, we're, all, we're always supporting ourselves and yeah. others, but ourselves first. All right, but uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, we can get to the uh, the other uh, fantasy position. So all, all right, time, QB one, quarterback. I think you have to go. You know, he was the Konami guy before it became a buzzword around the fantasy community. Um, Mike Vick, in particular, um, second era Philadelphia Eagles. Mike Vick was a good time for me. I rostered him one year. That year that he had like his best season, it was like thirty five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns, and he still had that rushing upside. That was a fun year. So that's my all-time QB1. Dream um, Team I, Eagles, right? Yeah. Um, my running back one all-time. If you don't say LaDainian Tomlinson, you're out of your mind. Like, he was just so next level. You know, Christian McCaffrey has tried to approach that. You know, Nick Chubb does his things that he does well. But LT just did everything, and then he also did it on the goal line, and he wasn't that big. So, you know, he was – he was cut from a different cloth, and he is the answer. Um, fantasy wide receiver one all time. I mean, Marvin Harrison. Like, could you find someone who is more consistent over the years? It would be hard to. You know, T.O. comes to mind, maybe. Um, Moss, of course, had these gigantic seasons. But, you know, Marvin Harrison was just him and Peyton were just that model of just putting it together. You knew Martin, Marvin Harrison. You could lock him in for 1,410 touchdowns on a yearly basis, and – a hundred something catches. Well, I think so, they still have the record of most touchdown pass combinations. Uh, you know, Marvin to, to Peyton, like that's the most ever for one player to one receiver to score from one quarterback. And then his son is going to come in and just be a beast as well. So, I mean, it's a freaking legacy at this point. Because well, I think the funny thing is number two and three on the list is Jerry Rice. One is with two is with Montana and then three is with young, right? Uh, <laughs> not Bryce Young, uh, Steve Young. So, like just just to show like how dominant that Manning to Harrison combination was. Yeah, I didn't know that Rice that either. That's absurd. Yeah, <laughs> what, then, what a guy, right? And then the um, tight end, all time tight end one. I mean, can we say anybody other than Travis Kelsey at this point? I mean, he's really starting to make his case as the greatest fantasy tight end of all time. And you know, I know Tony Gonzalez, fantastic. Antonio Gates fantastic like all these guys like really just were really good for a really long time 
none of those dudes returned you wide receiver one value on an annual basis like Travis Kelsey does at the tight end position. So he's making a real strong case to be that dude. And for me, he's that dude. He may be for other people. We don't know when the wheels are going to fall off. We talk about this every year, pretty much every week on fourth and frames. Like, is this going to be the year, year the wheels fall off of Kelsey? We don't know, but you know what? At this point, I'm not making the bet that this year is going to be the year because it hasn't happened yet. And when it does, we'll be wrong. But you know what? We'll have a decade of being right by that point. So who cares? So I was trying to find the comment. Uh, someone was earlier, I remember them saying, oh, we're excited uh, for the the music and the, and the TV shows and, and all that. Now, that was Jamie talking about the TV shows, but you actually, you locked me in for movies. But we'll get to that because it's a pretty diverse set as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, normally I, I'm I'm a rock and roll guy. So I always love starting with a, a high five section with favorite top five artists or bands. Oh, music. So, dude, if you're a rock and roll guy, you might hate me after we're done with this. Because first off, let me give a disclaimer. I do not condone the things this man has said over the years. I don't condone his political standings. I don't condone much of anything that comes out of his mouth, but I do completely condone Kanye West's musical catalog and my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy being unequivocally the best rap album I've ever heard in my life. You know, I was started with College Dropout. I've been there since album one, and he has very rarely disappointed me in musical decisions that he's made. So, I have to go there, and if that offends anybody, I'm sorry. Y'all should know by now. I'm not that guy, but I like his music. I'm sorry. Um, second, he's an incredible producer. So, like, I, you know, full props to like the production quality of every album, regardless of yeah whether you actually enjoy the songs or not. At least it always sounds well produced. And, yeah, yeah. Um, secondly, once again, um, if you cringe right here, I apologize. My wife picks on me all the time, but over the years, I've gone from being a huge Taylor Swift hater to a huge, I'm a Tathius now is what I like to call it. Atheist. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So like, I, like I was sitting there, me and my wife were driving to a day night the other night. And, you know, so I'm just putting on different stuff and like Taylor Swift song comes up on the playlist and I'm just waiting for her to have the same reaction I'm having inside and it's not happening. So I have to tell her something like, what's wrong with you? This MF got bars. And, she, and she's like, okay, Red, whatever. Like, it's fine. So going from there and back to the rap thing, I just realized now that three out of my five musicians here are hip-hop artists, so bear with me. Um, third person on my list is Lil Wayne, and that's more of a nostalgia thing. Um, because from about 06 to 2010, Wayne probably had the greatest run of any hip-hop artist ever whether it be albums, mixtapes, the things he was saying, how he was saying them, like just unbelievable. And then moving into the guy who probably has the crown for me these days is Kendrick Lamar. Um, to Pimp a Butterfly is probably one of the most unique rap albums I've ever heard. Like just can listen to that. And I, I've told people that like, He's throwing jazz in there. He's doing all type of stuff with that album. Depemba Butterfly is just unbelievable. And let's go rock here, but it's not what you're expecting. 
because my fifth band right here, I had an emo kick in college <laughs> and my chemical romance. I'm sorry. It's just a huge guilty pleasure band for me. Welcome to the black parade. I can probably sing most of that album lyric for lyric. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. And Drew has my back on here as far as his comment goes. Are you even from Louisiana? If Wheezy isn't in your top five, you should be in there regardless of where you're from, though. Although I will say this, a lot of Louisiana is going to ride for Boosie because we consider Boosie set it off as the national anthem of Louisiana. So if you don't know set it off by Boosie, just that is overly caffeinated, vulgar, obscene, um, talking about having gangsters in front of your MF and house. Like it's, it's great fun, dude. It's so fun. Uh, to, to your talk about to Pimp a Butterfly, I think Good Kid, Mad City is the greatest hip hop album ever. So oh, I'm, I'm there so, with you on Kendrick. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I just find like his. I find his his rhyme scheming, not just the you know the flows and, and and how he's presenting them, but like he's really creative and inventive with rhyme scheming a lot more than just the conventional. I'll make the end of every line rhyme line rap. Yeah, right. or, or rhyme. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe the middle and the end rhyme. But he 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 will play around with with the structure of how he's rhyming as well as just giving you just great lyrics and great metaphors and just great expressions. And he's yeah. so good at that. Honorable mention. Honorable mention goes to Pusha T. And if you've ever heard him do nostalgia, Kendrick and Pusha T. It's oh, it's it's sublime. It's so perfect. Anyway, let's keep rolling because oh. I can I can talk about this mostly all day. Nostalgia, right? Books feel a little nostalgic, right? So what, what are your top five favorite books? All right. So my wife says, how are you going to come up with five? And how are you going to come up with five that's interesting considering you're such a big self-help guy? But I did it. So my first book that I love is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Just so many good nuggets in there. Um, stuff like don't waste your time thinking about what a good man is. Be one. Like just so many fantastic nuggets just thrown all throughout there. Um, second, I'm going to go with the work of fiction here, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which is the best piece of dystopian fiction I've probably ever read. If you're unfamiliar, it's about a man and his son traveling basically after the world is ended, trying to get to a place that actually has some sort of life in it. And it's just the story of their journey. It's superb. The third is a book called Resilience by Eric Greetings, which is... Um, he's publishing the letters of his Marine friend to him and basically talking about how to live a resilient life. Once again, very good stuff. The fourth, I'm going to go with a, I'm also a pretty big memoirs guy and kind of a true story um, guy. A book called Across the River by Kent Babb about Edna Carr, Edna Carr High School's um, football program in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, basically, it's in the um, Algiers neighborhood, really rough. You know, this coach has to deal with being one of the premier football programs in the nation while basically also making sure that his players stay alive and stay out of trouble on a daily basis. It's superb. And then lastly, I'm going to go with Between the World with Me, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, that is one of those books where I'm always trying to educate myself. In particular on things like race relations, because let's face it, I'm a white man in America. I really don't know a lot about things that aren't white man in America stuff. 
So when I read this book and full disclosure, and I realized that I was ignorant on a lot of things I was doing, it made me check myself and realize that there are probably some things I could be doing better. So that was just one of those books that stuck with me because it taught me a lot about how I could evolve as a person. So those are my five books. It's amazing how much you don't know that you don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more you know, the more you, the more you learn, the more you find out there's even more I don't know. So yeah, never stop learning. For sure, man. Uh, Jamie says he can't wait to hear the TV. I found I found the comments. Fine. Yeah. Uh, the TV shows, but you're going to have to wait because first we're going to do top five movies. All right. So did you give me TV shows? Because I only have movies here. So oh, you okay. May, you may not hear about my TV shows, Jamie. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But I can maybe come up with five for you. I could come up with at least three. Is that fair? We can do that. Um, Jamie, that book was called Between the World and Me by Tanahasi Coates. Between the World and Me. But yeah, my movies. All right, let's have fun. The first one is one that I probably quote on a daily basis, no matter what. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is quintessential Tom Hanks. Um, there are quotes everybody knows. Life is like a box of chocolates. Um, there are quotes that are completely obscure. That when I'm coming home and cutting grass on a 110 degree day, and I come in and that cold air is hitting my face, and I could say things like, you have air conditioning. Like, it's that movie. Like, it has everything for me. It's funny. It's heartfelt. It's well thought out. It's everything. It's my favorite movie ever. Um, secondly, not as well thought out, but equally funny, Step Brothers. I'm sorry. It's immensely rewatchable. Uh, yeah, forgive me because we took quite a jump. And to even go further off the rails, There Will Be Blood, Daniel Day-Lewis, I Drink Your Milkshake. My favorite dramatic movie of all time. Um, Almost Famous, Cameron Crowe movie, music. The music, the story, just the coming-of-age tale. That's another one that is just so rewatchable and has everything. And then um, the movie that introduced me to Christopher Nolan, Memento. Um, if, you, if you haven't seen it, uh, the twist at the end kind of blows your mind. It's shot in reverse chronological order. Um, it's fantastic. And it was before Christopher Nolan fully found his bag. So once he got into his bag and we got to like Inception, that's probably when we saw the full Nolan treatment. But Memento gave us a lot of pointers as to where he was going. So Jamie, don't come for me. Other other than that, other than that, those first those other four movies, all solid. Don't come for me, dog. Also, apparently, "Don't Waste Your Time" is a song by uh, Lecrae. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Lecrae. Do you, do you know? Uh artist uh no he, he is a, a christian rapper uh very skilled like super lyrical super thoughtful um doesn't necessarily go like in your face and specifically mention god and jesus at all times but the message is there so he's solid i guess do, do people go you have the french influence of louisiana a little bit look cray cray over him oh I'm going to stop you there, man. I'm going to stop you there. You're not so cray-cray about that one. Not, not so cray-cray about that fun, no. Uh, yeah, Jamie hates kickers like you hated that fun. Fair enough. Uh, but yes. Uh, okay, so what? Okay, so 
normally it's again it's high five so five different topics what did i give you as as the five you gave me game day foods but i'm happy to jump into a few tv shows that i love real quick okay okay breaking bad yes that's all you have to say we all know it is what it is it's perfect um been re-watching friday night lights with my wife um perfect kyle chandler as eric taylor just super heartfelt love it and then my first binge watch was actually lost so that show has a special place in my heart as well um so that's at least three i can give you had i had time to workshop uh, these other two i can give you two more accurate answers but those are definitely three of my top five so you like the first time you watched lost was binging it yes See, I, I watched it when it came out. So I was like waiting every week between each episode, waiting, you know, three, four months between each season. So yeah, that so, seems like it's the much funner way is to binge it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you still felt the same way I do about season three, though, where those first nine episodes are just terrible. The cages. I do agree yeah. the last half of season three might be the best of the of the series, but the, the whole season overall may not yeah, the first the first like third of season three is not great. It felt like they were trying to find their stride as to where they were, and then they end up getting to this unbelievable place. Yeah, lost. Good stuff. I, I'm not crazy about half of season six. I'll say. Okay. Season yeah. six is kind of divided in half in a sense. Yeah, that's fair. It's a fair judgment. But yeah, uh, I I do like uh, yeah. So Jamie loves Lost. Jamie loves Lecrae. Jamie hates stepbrothers. Jamie, we forgive you. And then Friday Night Lights. So me and Jamie mostly have the same taste, but he just doesn't like Will Ferrell comedies. I forgive him. Uh, Yeah, I forgive. And uh, we're not going to forget, though, Jamie. Uh, But uh, before we forget, let's talk about your top five game day foods. All right, so let's start off first off. um, Pizza, it's hard to go wrong with a game day pizza. Uh, especially anything, especially meaty. I can also get down with some Supreme. A uh, pizza, hard to beat. Um, most people are, you know, chicken wings or a staple game day food. If you ever had a good chicken wing coming off of a smoker, it's a different level. Um, third, I'm going to say uh, pretty much any dip, that's a good dip. If we're talking like a seven-layer dip, a buffalo chicken dip, any dip that's not like basic and has a little bit of style to it, I'll get down with. A little Louisiana flair for you here because during football season, it's fall and winter. You come down to Louisiana, somebody's cooking a gumbo for a game. And a good Louisiana gumbo on a game day is so hard to beat. And then lastly, you know, you got to top it off, got to have something sweet in your hand. So whether it's a well-done chocolate chip cookie or a brownie or something, like you got to top it off with a sweet. So we're hitting, we're hitting the appetizers with the dips, you know, the dips and the wings. Then you get into the gumbo for your pizza for your main course. Then you top it off with the dessert. You're having a five-course game day feast with me, dog. Come on now. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a balanced meal for sure. And I, apparently, Jamie does love Step Brothers and the the I'm burying you is a quote from the movie. <laughs> he's not burying you rent let's not bury too <laughs> jamie too much in the comments either no no we're good love you jamie thank you for your support man well yeah and yeah thank you a big thank you to everyone who's uh joined joined in i know jamie's made a lot of comments but uh you know, your co-host drew was on uh, behind the gridiron 
Gladys and Toronto Dave, uh, and of course, Gator. Uh, how could no, for real. Gator? Anybody who took the last hour and 12 minutes just listening to me, I feel like they deserve a special place in heaven because I don't feel like I'm that interesting or that cool or that anything. So, like, if anybody just took their time to listen to this or will take their time to listen to this later, like, it's appreciated. But if you end up being the most downloaded episode of all time on wherever you're streaming this, then you're also welcome. Because then I'll realize maybe there is something more to me than I thought there was. Well, I, I didn't think it was boring at all. I thought this was a great great time. It's uh, this hour, an hour, an hour and 12 minutes just flew by, yeah. So for sure. I appreciate you, man. It was a good time, for real. Thank you for coming on, Rhett. Uh, Great. And uh, yeah, you're on uh, Twitter at R Manual Sports. Yeah. <laughs> yep. At R Manual Sports. Um, not really too active anywhere else on social. I mean, pretty much X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it is where most of my takes get out. Of course, we have our Fantasy and Frames channel where, you know, we're doing fourth and frames every Tuesday or Wednesday, usually Wednesday. Tomorrow night it's on Tuesday. Um, we're doing our content videos right now. We have our redraft profiles dynasty profiles all those things going up to try to give all of our listeners and watchers an edge for the coming season by profiling different players um by and large we're trying to do as much as we can give y'all as much good content as we can and still have some fun while doing so so y'all are welcome to join us and uh have a good time with us as well so all our other stuff we're doing too it's all good it's all quality so that try to keep all my shows interesting, but Jamie's saying, and I know he watches a lot of them. So this is he is a good judge on this, but apparently you are one of the most interesting. So oh, kudos to you, Red. He's far too kind, far too kind. That he is. Yeah, Jamie's awesome. So are you, Red? So thanks, thanks a lot for this. And again, thanks everyone for watching. Um, check out all the great shows on the Going for Two Live Network. Uh, Jamie will be on tomorrow night on the Fantasy Cheat Sheet. Uh, speak on it also tomorrow. So Tuesday doubleheader on Going for Two. I guess we have to have some sh- nights with two shows, right? If it's going for two live network, uh, as mentioned, the armchair show, the flagship show, Jeff Lambert, Ryan Sirfoss, they'll be on again on Wednesday. I'll be co-hosting the Dynasty Gambit. Uh, Courtney Burroughs will be joining us. Uh, whether Gator's on there or not, we'll find out. Uh, if, uh, I know my co-host Brian and I. Uh, it's been a uh, actually, yeah, it's been a. I don't, think, I don't think Gator's been on a show since May, so may- maybe this is the one race back. We'll, we'll find He's out. overdue. He's overdue yeah. for sure. So the suspense of will Gator be there? That, that's if anything, that's the most intriguing part. We're talking about our most rostered players in Dynasty, but I'm sure that but will the Gator appear out of, out of the swamp? Uh, is, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're a pro wrestling guy, but it feels like Gator is like your Sting in WCW in 1997 as to whether he'll drop out of the rafters or not to make an appearance. If that's a really deep cut, I apologize, but that's just where my head went. So, Did, was he wearing a bee suit? Like is it is it Simpsons the Simpsons? No, it was right? actually it was actually a crow gimmick. So, oh crow, okay, yeah the crow. So anyway, it's fine. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I put you through that. That's okay. I, I mean, I, I'm a bigger fan of Sting the musician, bass player from the Police, but uh, it's fair. That's good. You didn't you yeah, didn't sting me too hard, so yeah. And so. okay, I guess Thursday at Fancy Frames is a show as well. So check out both on Thursday, the Gambit and, and the Fancy Frames, both yeah. YouTube channels. Subscribe to both, like and comment all the videos. If you're watching this after the fact and not live, we appreciate if you comment under the video as well as liking and subscribing. So uh, yeah, thanks thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you, Red. Yeah, thank you. Peace. And yes, this was another episode of Press Coverage. And once again, I'm Kyle Sunner, your host. Thank you all and bye for now.